What's going on, everybody? We're back. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 33 on this Monday, November 6th, 2023. Josh Calloway, Tom Green, no James D. Jackson today. He's down in Norman, actually, right now, covering the women's hoops opener, which is at noon today. Tom and I'll be at the men's hoops opener tonight. TG, first Bedlam experience for you in Stillwater. We got a lot to talk about, but first off, what uh, just impressions of your your first impressions of the rivalry? Uh, I mean, you could feel the hatred, which is it's high. What, yeah, which, especially there. That, 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 that's always a, a sign of a good rivalry. I know it's one that's you know been dominated by Oklahoma for you know the better part of 120 years, but uh, I mean, I, I just love the feeling in the air for a rivalry game, and you, you definitely got that sense there in Oklahoma State. 100%. It, uh, the Bedlam game, you know, while we talked about it on, on Thursday, it, it's been dominated by Oklahoma for a very long time. It, it tends to give great games. It, it has, especially in the modern history of it, you know, since like 2000 or so. Um, well, Mike Gundy, exciting yeah, game. Not necessarily a great one. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. So it went out with a bang in Stillwater. Oklahoma loses. Obviously, everybody watching and listening knows that. They've lost two in a row. I said last week when we did the Kansas recap show last Monday, that felt like a 2022 game to me. Lots of mistakes, um, unforced turnovers, bad penalties, can't put the game away when you have opportunities to do so. That and then yesterday, Saturday felt the exact same way. Um, they got they beat themselves in so many ways, so many costly penalties, and like I said, not being able to capitalize and put the game away, multiple chances to do so. Uh, the turnovers. Unacceptable. Andrew Raymond, rough day for him. We'll get into that in a second. They, you know, Tom, I guess just your overarching feeling walking out of that stadium, you know, at least, you know, for you, for me, it had, it, it felt a lot like this team is just so bad at the little things around the margins. And it, it, that's how it was last year. And these close games, now two and seven in one score games under Brent Venables, bad. Just really bad. This game was there to be won. They did a lot of things good, a lot of things that put them in position to get the job done. But in the end, just kind of the same story as last year, the same story as in Lawrence. Just you can't have as many shoot yourself in the foot moments and expect to win close games like this. It's like Bill Murray, Groundhog Day. Um, mm -hmm. That game felt. It, it is. I, I mean, obviously, I was not around for last year and what those losses were like, but this felt almost just like that. You Kansas know now. Game. The last couple, you know yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it felt just like that Kansas game, but with better weather. Um, I mean, same issues, unforced turnovers, um, just like two bad snaps that resulted in fumbles. Uh, poor decision on a throw in a double coverage for an interception. It's not like it was, you know, a lucky tip or something like that or just a really good play that by the defender. It was just a bad decision by Dylan Gabriel. Um penalties in inopportune spots um again second week in a row we've seen them get called for 30 yards worth of penalties on a decisive fourth quarter drive yeah back back to back again um i don't know if i've ever seen that happen to a team you know twice in a row like that in back to back weeks um and then the offense just almost feels like there's an identity crisis Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just like I, again, they had another opportunity where the defense makes a play late, and you have a chance to, you know, create some distance and kind of put yourself in a better position to win the game. And they just did not capitalize. Um, and, and again, it's just little things around the margins. But as Brent Venable said, this team is not good enough to not be yep. good around the margins. 
Like you have yep. to win in the, in the margins to, you know, be better than their record shows. Um, but, but still like this loss, I think more so than last week feels more inexcusable than the Kansas one. Cause the Kansas one, at least you'd be like, you know, the conditions were awful. The weather was mm-hmm. miserable. Like mistakes are going to happen in that Oklahoma on paper on a day on, you know, conditions like that should beat Oklahoma state. Like that is a game that this program traditionally wins. And they're yeah. going to regret that. They're going to regret this one for a while, especially because, you know, it was the last battle and for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future, Oklahoma state's going to have those bragging rights. It's going to hold it over Oklahoma's head for as long as they can until they meet again. Yeah, no, I mean, the thing that most Oklahoma fans sold themselves on over the off season after what last year was obviously the worst year of Oklahoma football since the turn of the millennium, um, was all the close losses. They were 0-5 one-score games last year. And it, it felt all those games could have easily went the other way. I was at all of them. It, you know, they one or two things go their way, they beat Kansas State. One or two things fall their way, they beat Baylor. One or two things go their way, they should have beat Texas Tech. You know, they were right in there with Florida State. You know, and that was the big thing you told yourself on, like, that's an anomaly to lose that many close games. They easily could have won eight, nine games last year, and it would be different this year. But now here we are sitting here today, and they just lost the last two games feeling the same way. And, yes, they do have some one-score wins this year. Obviously, the Texas game, which nobody's going to knock anything against that. But the UCF game, they just kind of survived. It's UCF team that we all thought they were going to be pretty comfortably. And so I think now you sit here today on this Monday, and Oklahoma fans are at work across the world, probably with Oklahoma State coworkers that are busting their chops. They're thinking the most the most doubt of the direction of things, I think, is creeping in. Maybe for the first time this whole time. Last year was tough, but this this back-to-back sequence of losses, along with the UCF game, which easily could have been a loss, the, the doubt is going to start to creep in a little bit. Now, there's a lot of things to still be happy about relative to last year. The defense is still clearly better, and we're going to talk about the defense in a, in a minute. Um, they did a lot of things to like. The fourth down stops are awesome. You know, I mean, you're, you're getting big turnovers. You're setting yourself up. But those other things that we kind of talked about, a timeout usage, the brutal turnovers, the bad penalties, and then the offense, the inability to stick your foot on the other team's throat and put it away is is alarming. And you just it's hard to beat good teams that way. And Kansas and Oklahoma State, I will classify as good teams. They're not elite level, not national title teams, but they're top 20-ish teams, top 25-ish teams. And mm-hmm. you're not going to beat those teams on the road doing all the things that they're doing right now. And so that that's where the concern level comes in if you're an Oklahoma fan because it just feels like in a lot of areas from last year, they are better. But in a lot of areas, they're also kind of the same, which is the scary part right now if you're OU. Yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of it is just things that should be easily correctable, like the discipline. Right, and they're not, yeah. I mean, 11 penalties last week against Kansas, eight this week um, against Oklahoma State. Four of those were pre-snap penalties on the offense. Three of those on receivers, uh, mm-hmm. another one a false start on Tyler Guyton. It's like just little things that put you behind the chains or you know neg- negate you know good field position and just puts you in an inopportune spot for uh, to really capitalize and you know create some distance there. And it's like they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. Like yeah, Andrew Rain for as, for as good as he's been. I mean, those two snaps like. What the hell, man? Like, yeah, the the first one. So, yeah, let's let's get into the offense because the offense is, I think, where everybody's most befuddled right now. Yeah. Jeff Levy's public enemy number one still. He was public enemy number one coming out of Lawrence. 
That didn't change at all. It got worse uh, after the weekend in Stillwater. The first direct, the, the first fumble snap, when it was 7-7, Oklahoma had recaptured the momentum after Oklahoma State went right down the field to start the game. Oklahoma got the big one. Okay, that was stop. What's that? 49-yard pass to Nick Anderson. Yes, they got the big pass Nick Anderson. The, all momentum was with them. The bad snap goes to Javante Barnes. He tried to hand it to Gabriel. It was just a mess. It went on the turf. Brent Bennell said after the game that snap was not supposed to go Javante Barnes, which blew my yeah, mind in the moment. Now I'm on the field, you know, so I'm looking through bodies and stuff. I was like, that felt like it went right to Javante Barnes. I watched it back this morning. I watched the game back. How If that wasn't supposed to go to Javante Barnes, that's one of the worst snaps I've ever seen. It went directly yeah, no. to Javante Barnes. Yeah, I mean, it, what it, it, it was a bad it was a bad snap. And like in real time, I was like, there's no way that was a design trick play because if it was Javante would have just eaten the yards and fallen down. But like, there's no yeah. way like he's trying to hand it back to Dylan Gabriel after getting that snap, if it's meant for him, you know what I mean? So like, in, yeah. in the moment, I'm like that, that, that can't be a trick play. That's just gotta be a bad snap. Jeff Levy said afterward that, you know, Andrew Rame snapped it before Dylan Gabriel uh, had signaled for it. Um, and again, the noise I think was a factor for that one. And it's just a drive killer. I mean, you you can't yeah. have that, especially after a forty nine yard pass play gets you in good field position. And mm-hmm. that was that was the issue with all all these turnovers. Look, no turnover is ever a good turnover. There's never a good time for a turnover. But the situations in which these turnovers happened were just back breaking. You know, this one after a forty nine yard yeah. pass to Nick Anderson. The second one um, was the interception that Dylan Gabriel threw. It came right after a 15-yard run by Gavin Sawchuk. So, like, you get an explosive play. Like, this team has not had a lot of explosive runs this season, and mm-hmm. your run game has actually been, you know, pretty good the last two weeks, and you get an explosive play, and you go and you make a poor decision throwing in a double coverage uh, downfield. And then the third one, the second bad snap by Andrew Rame, it was on the first play after Oklahoma State had taken the lead. Like, taken the lead, yeah. That, it's, that's just killer. Like, it's hard to overcome those things. Yeah, how how are we nine games into the year and Oklahoma can't snap the ball, you know, successfully? Um, is that just purely Rame underperforming? Is he set up to fail? Because it, it is a lot of what you said a minute ago. Dylan Gabriel not seeming like he's ready for the snaps. So where, where is the disconnect there? Because it's happened a lot this year, and Oklahoma's kind of gotten away with it. Happened in Texas a few times, um, but it happens twice in killer spots here for just turnovers. And like you said, there's never a good time for turnovers. Those are back-breaking moments. But also, it, it's even worse when it's completely unforced. I mean, it's it's yeah. one thing if a guy makes a great play on the ball or you know, a clean strip, you know, high points it, tips a pass at the line, something like that. It's like it still hurts just as much. Yeah. But the defense like, made a do? play at least. Yeah. <laughs> like psychologically, the defense made a play at least. I, I wrote about this yesterday when I did field vision. Oklahoma, when they, so they get the Tawi Walker touchdown run, go up 21-17 with about eight minutes mm-hmm. to go in the third. Um, from there, they had the ball five more times. Three total points um, in those next five drives. What I mean, it's the offense is, is borderline broken. It has moments of excellence. And obviously, we talked about it. The lack of Angel Anthony hurts a lot. We, I, I think we all we all knew it was going to hurt a lot, but it, it it seems to be even more than we thought it would be. They ran the ball in this game, and it still didn't matter. Gavin Sawchuk had the best game that he's had really of his career, certainly of this year. 
Tommy Walker was still effective, even with the bum ankle, didn't get into the game until the second half and still had decent numbers. Um, the yards per carry was very high for those two guys. Yeah. And yet it still didn't matter. 24 points. Um, that's not, you, you would hope for more against Oklahoma State's defense. That's about what they're averaging to give up, but you're Oklahoma. I mean, you're thinking that you have the firepower to put up a, a decent number. Your defense gave you every chance to win that game. Offensively, Tom, where are you at right now? Because it just feels like it's something is just not clicking. And in between the running backs, the offensive line, kind of all of it just feels like it's out of sync or something. It's hard to put your finger quite on it. And that's why, obviously, when it's all not working the way it should and they're not capitalized and not scoring enough points, that falls back on the offensive coordinator. I mean, that goes without saying at this point. Yeah, and it's weird that they just, like, feel, like you said, out of sync because, yeah, especially offensive line, this is the first game that I think we've seen all season where they did not rotate mm-hmm. anybody. They stuck with the same five guys yep. the entirety of the game. Um Running game got was working. I mean, you know, like you said, Gavin Sacha probably the best game of his career. I mean, I know he's it's a small sample size for him, but he was really good. He started off with a bang with that sixty-four yard touchdown, like right after Oklahoma State had taken the early lead. It's like that's the type of thing, like those explosive plays have been lacking for this running game, and to get it in that situation on the road where the you know the home crowd's pretty energized after that early score, like yeah. But for him to finish with just 13 carries, as effective as he was, averaging eight and a half yards per carry, 13 carries just feels like it wasn't enough touches mm-hmm. for him. And it's weird because then last week, you know, with the run game was working well, Dylan Gabriel played pretty well passing the ball, but only had 19 attempts. Right. And just like trying to square those two things, it almost feels like Jeff Levy is almost just like struggling to find the balance between run pass with with this with this team and I, and I know like they, he said throughout the offseason you know they want to be balanced in what they do like you're not you're never really going to have a 50 50 split um maybe, maybe try to get that in yardage a little bit more but like it, it's hard to have a 50 50 split and you know run pass attempts but when your run game is as effective as it is for your top running back like that to just get 13 carries feels off and then you know the passing game was, I mean it was it was still effective, but like still they they're missing Andre Anthony. Um, you know Dylan Gabriel still completed seventy percent of his passes. Drake Stoops had you know best game of his career. Um, really good. Jalil, yeah. Jalil Farouk was good too, but it's like outside of those two guys, you know Nick Anderson was the only other guy that had like multiple catches, and he had three, but dropped a, what should have probably been a touchdown. Yeah, and then I mean. I don't know, man. The, the wide receiver rotation has just felt really weird since Andrew Anthony left. Like this week, like Jaden Gibson played one snap. Yeah. I don't know. How was he having a bigger <laughs> impact before Anthony got hurt? How does that make any sense? Yeah. 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 Drake Stoops was phenomenal. Yeah. Brandon Thompson yeah. was in there for a, a handful of snaps, got three targets, but you know, he, he was targeted on the interception that Dylan Gabriel threw. He was targeted on a fourth down play that was incomplete, but also had a pass interference call against Nick Anderson for an illegal pick. I don't know, man. The offense just, like you said, it just feels out of sorts right now. And, you know, I, there's a lot of little things that are going wrong for them. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like Jeff Levy's the one that has to answer for all of it because sure. it's his offense. He's the one calling the plays. And, you know, he said it again after this game. Same thing he said a week ago. You know, he wasn't good enough calling plays. You know, the execution wasn't good enough either. Every position group was not good enough. But at the end of the day, like, it ends with him 
And I'm sure fans are already tired of hearing that a familiar refrain, like, I wasn't good enough. It's like, okay, what do you need to do to be better? Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's yeah. your job to figure out what to do to get better. For sure. No. Um, when the season's over, Oklahoma has to reevaluate what they're doing on offense. And that, that's not me saying that they need to make a staff change or anything like that, but they they have to figure out because this defense right now is giving them chances to win. The defense is playing well enough for them to win these games, and uh, it's not happening on either side. When Jalil Farouk caught that bomb down inside the 20 with, you know, mm-hmm. however much time was left, five, six minutes or so, um, Oakland was down 27-21 at the time. You're at the 16-yard line, first and 10, and it's like punch this in, get the lead, and hope your defense can hold it. And the sequence of plays after that was – really gross they had to settle for a field goal on fourth and 12 so they went backwards a couple yards um and then i also think of the sequence we're talking about how they should have ran the ball more and i agree completely Sawchuk was averaging over eight yards a carry he should get more than 13 carries but then i believe it was right after the billy bowman interception on the wild yep. ollie gordon trick throw which was crazy that was that. ran the ball three times for nothing three straight times with yeah. the gut nothing well, well they, they like picked the ball more yeah, they, they picked up a first down on, like, the first play. Tally Walker ran for, like, 11 yards. But then it was three straight runs up the middle for, you know. Okay, yeah. Four, four yards, maybe. Um, yeah, that just makes like, sense. Yeah. Again, deja vu. Same thing we saw last week. Mm-hmm. Ethan Downs gets that late interception. Offense has a chance to seal the game with one first down. And, you know, three straight run plays for, you know, three yards total, whatever it was. Um, yeah. It's just – you know, these missed opportunities to to really, like, you know, put a nail in the coffin. Like, again, last week it was a chance to seal the game. This week, you know, it, it was a chance early in the fourth quarter to create some distance because they were up at that point after the Bowman interception, if I remember right, right? It was still – was it still 21-17? Well, like got picked off 21-17, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah still 21-17. It's like – yeah. Yeah, and – I mean, Billy Bowman did a great job returning that. Um, if Alan Bowman doesn't make that tackle, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big six there. Um, I thought he was going to say When he got around the corner, because he's returned there right. by trade, and uh, there's nobody yeah. really back there except for Alan Bowman. And I, I thought, looking through my camera, he's going to run this all the way back, which it turns out they kind of needed that because they didn't do anything with it. Yeah, he he. I think he just kind of ran out of space a little bit there on the sideline. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I mean, it was a good effort by him, but like, he gives you the ball back near midfield and you just get one first down and can't capitalize off that. Like it again, it's just deja vu. Fans have to yep. have a you know pit in their stomach after seeing that. Um and it's just this situational play calling and execution just has not been great for Oklahoma, you know, really since the bye week. Yeah. And it's been you know, this, the last two weeks. And this is where you get into the conversations and you have to have nuance. Because there's a lot of people who will hit my mic. A lot of people who will do the thing of look at Oklahoma's stats, look at the yards per game, look at the efficiency numbers, look at all the because all those things would tell you if you're just looking at the screen, the sheet, whatever, that Oklahoma has an elite offense, that Jeff Levy is doing a perfectly fine job. But you have to watch the games and have nuance to realize that in situ like you're saying, in situational football, they are garbage. They're terrible in the key moments. And the old adage that I heard whenever Levy got hired, and it's been talk, thrown around a lot. I'm sure people have heard it, and I'm not taking credit for it. I didn't create it at all. I don't know who came up with it. If you did, let me know in the comments. But the old adage with Jeff Levy's offense, he can get you 30 yards at any at any point in the game, anytime you want, but can't get three yards when you really need it. And that that's 
how it feels. That's how it feels. When the chips are down, Oklahoma needs a big first down or a big score drive or whatever. They can never get it. Even though the stats at the end of the game look good. They look shiny. The, the end result is not what you want it to be. What did you think of the fourth down call? The final play of the game. They roll out. Drake Stoops catches it short of the marker. Game over. What'd you think? It's been very well. It's been uh, highly discussed. I, I don't get that play call. Um, hate it. And look, I'm, I I'm it. not a coach. Yeah. I'm not like this great football mind, but just like rewatching it. A, Drake Stoops runs short of the first down marker, which you can like never do on a fourth down play like that, especially when, you know, you look at how they designed that play. Drake Stoops was the only read because you're rolling Dylan Gabriel out to his left. Drake Stoops is the only receiver off that side. Um, you had somebody going down kind of deep, but you know, he he was covered. And I don't think I was even, the, you know, obviously wasn't the first read. Drake Stoops was the first read there. And it's like, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm at a loss for words trying to figure that out because I don't think you should roll Dylan Gabriel out in that situation. You know, I yeah. think, you know, keep him in the pocket, give him options because you're limiting what he can do when you're just cutting him off to one side of the field. Um, you know, Drake Stoops said after the game, you know, he should have run another, you know, yard or so on that. Um, obviously try to get down to the marker, but, you know, Jeff Levy needs to draw up a play where the receiver is running to the marker. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't like it at all. Um, yeah, like I said, the roll Gabriel out. It just limits your options so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't like the, the rollout, you know, all that no matter what. But I could maybe talk to him if it was like fourth and two, you know, really quick little just try to get out to the guy. I like looking for Stoops in the play. It was his day. He was the best receiver on the team. He was automatic all day. He's reliable. I, I don't mind that aspect. But, yes, the rolling him out, he has one option. He pretty much has to throw it to Stoops, you know, and, and hope for the best, basically. That didn't make – yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. Why not drop Gabriel back, give him a couple guys come over the middle of the field, mm -hmm. more space to work with, a couple, <clears throat> couple of reads at least, a couple of options, you know. Yeah. Uh, the Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. Yeah, I don't know. Was, what about yeah, – It was yeah. baffling. And then you're going to talk <laughs> about the pass interference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got to bring up the pass interference. Um, yeah, you know, yeah I didn't, didn't want to gloss over you know, James about that. Yeah, James and I brought it up, you know, in the, in the post-game recap, you know, because the thing that people will want to do, and Oklahoma fans have done it, and it's admirable, you know, is it didn't come down to one play. And that, that's that's true in the in the sense that Oklahoma did a lot of things to lose this game, okay? They, they deserve to go home with the loss on Saturday. That also doesn't change the fact that if they call that pass interference like they should have, Drake Stoops got tackled in the end zone. They have it first and goal at the two, and they probably win this game which is uh, just kind of the reality of the situation here. Horrible call. I don't think it's even defensible. Um, what was your thoughts going into Because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in that corner. When it happens, I'm kind of just waiting for the flag. Like, Drake Stoops didn't really argue it that much. And so I kind of thought, like, they just they threw the flag, right? And I'm kind of looking around like, no, they didn't. Like, they're going back to the huddle for fourth down. Like, he got tackled in the end zone. I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. Well, wild. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm of the camp that it was a terrible non-call, like an inexcusable non-call in that situation. And, you know, the Big mm -hmm. 12 doesn't comment on judgment calls, but <clears throat> weak. How do you not call that? I mean, the, the yeah. you know, Dylan Smith, the Oklahoma State defensive back, like 
spun him down, grabbed him by the shoulder and spun him down before the ball got there. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's just baffling. Um, yeah. And, and to add it even worse, like, to make it even worse too, I mean, Stoops thought he caught it. Now, I don't think he did. I need to see some slow-mo replays. It looked no, like it went through the ground. I think he caught it, but there was a photo. I want to say it was either a Getty Images photo or a U.S. Today photo where you see Drake is still bobbling it while his mm. butt is out of bounds. So it would not have been a catch. Like, but it even seems if, worth you know, it to take the time to review it. it. It seemed close yeah. enough to take the time to review it because that's what Stoops yeah. really was. He, he said after the game that he was surprised that they didn't review it. He was he was wanting them to review it, yeah. and they, they didn't do that either. So I don't know. That was bad. Obviously, the, the unsportsmanlike conduct that we kind of referenced earlier that Brent Venables picked up, he seemed baffled by that. Um, yeah, that, that one was great, especially you know, watching the replay. Like He just came out and said he, he didn't commit pass interference, and like he maybe he was too far out onto the field. And that's what yeah. the official got him for. But like that by most, you know, coaches, you know, coaching outrage standards, that was very, very tame. And mm-hmm. it was just wild to see that happen for the second week in a row where Oklahoma just gets 30 yards of penalties that just gifts the opponent. And in a key situation too, because that wound up yeah, being a 97 yeah. yard touchdown drive for Oklahoma State and kind of negated, you know, Dylan Gabriel's Ray Guy Award uh campaign there. I know, I know. That, that, that's a good segue into the defense so the, the defense um I thought did a lot of good things he didn't have Danny Stutzman so Kip Lewis had to play every snap of this game it was great 15 tackles was absolutely everywhere feels like a future star uh, a budding star for Oklahoma on defense especially Kobe McKenzie played in this game too that young linebacker group and you loop in Peyton Bowen and these other guys are bringing in lots of reasons to be excited about the defense moving forward and the defense played pretty well in this game yeah. gave him a chance to win but certainly, certainly, the drive following the Dylan Gabriel pooch punt that sat OSU down on their own three-yard line to let them go 97 yards there is backbreaking. I mean, just backbreaking. Now, they played well again. I'm not blaming the defense overall, but that drive in particular, you just can't have that. You can't have that. They kept Ollie Gordon mostly in check. I mean, they ended up getting a nice yard total. We had a ton of carries. What was it? 34 carries. Yards, or 33 carries. Yeah, they were yeah. feeding him a lot. So he didn't really beat them the same way. He had a couple <clears> nice runs. He's a really, really good running back, probably the best in the country. But overall, they did okay. But the killer here, Alan Bowman, 334. Holy moly. Yeah. Alan Bowman's not a guy who should throw for three bills on you at any point, at any time. Um, this guy's well, he's transferred, he's you know, transferred around, he's traveled, he's an older player. Now he's an okay player. He's not a bad quarterback, but he's not a guy who should throw for 334 on you. They had them just out of source completely with that RPO stuff early on. What'd you make of the defense in this game? I mean, overall it was it was pretty good, I I think, but some yeah. some really key so uh, kind of like kind of like the whole theme of this in in key moments kind of let them down a little bit also. Yeah, I mean when you have an offense that averages forty points a game, as Oklahoma does, holding an opponent to twenty seven points should be enough to win. And I think the defense, for the most part, played really well. They had that shaky start. I mean, they gave up a touchdown on the opening draft for the first time all season. Um, yeah. You know, Oklahoma State averaged, I think, 6.4 yards per play on its first four drives while getting out to that 17-7 to lead. But after that, you get back-to-back three and outs. You end the half on a, you know, a fourth down play where you bat the ball down on a Hail Mary. You open the second half with back-to-back fourth down stops of Ollie Gordon. Um, 
which uh, just real quick, Trace Forward making one of those fourth down stops. So yeah. nice nice to see him get get his moment, even though, you know, Oklahoma State kind of got the last laugh there. It was good to see him kind of have mm-hmm. his role in that defensive performance. Um, but, yeah, back-to-back fourth down stops. Then you get Billy Bowman's interception on that what are you doing trick play that Oklahoma State kind of ran, which is just absolutely baffling. Insane. Then you have the 97-yard drive, and it's it was it was just so weird. And look, they gave up 36 yards worth of penalties on that drive, including as we've noted, 30 on one play. But for like <clears throat> for all the situations that the defense was in all day, for them to give up a touchdown on that drive, like the most advantageous field position that they had all day. Oklahoma State pinned at his three-yard line. To give up 97 yards in that situation was just kind of baffling. But, I mean, outside of that, like, they still got another stop late to give the offense a chance. Like, mm-hmm. the defense stop played well. Than one couple yeah. of times. Yeah. yeah, defense played well enough to win this game. Yeah, I think, again, you mentioned the RPOs really hurt. Um, they were just getting the ball out of Alan Bowman's hands really quick. You know, According to Pro Football Focus, he averaged 2.42 seconds uh, from snap to throw, which was tied for the 19th quickest among all FBS passers this week. So like, they, they were doing a good job getting out of his hands. And as a result, Oklahoma's pass rush was pretty much neutralized. You know, they finished with zero sacks, just eight total pressures. Second week in a row, they've, they've not gotten a sack. And I was looking this up last night because I, I was curious. The last time Oklahoma went back-to-back games without a sack for the defense, at least 2004. Like, I could not find the data from the 2004 season. Yeah, Just absolutely, like, weird. definitionally, that is a once-in-a-generation occurrence. <laughs> just incredible, yeah. considering some of the guys that they have on that defense line and just how good they looked, you know, against Texas and then UCF um, – really looked like they were kind of establishing themselves, but they've just kind of taken a step back these last two weeks and really just been taken out of it by a lot of these RPOs and quick throws that, you know, Kansas yeah. and Oklahoma State were doing. Yeah, a lot of young guys. I mean, like I mentioned, Kip Lewis played really, really well, kind of the star defensively. Cody McKenzie, <laughs> like I said, played the most snaps he really had his whole career and, and played yeah. pretty well. Robert, Robert Strujang is really good in this game. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, still a lot to be excited about defensively, that drive is going to eat at them. Because, yeah, it was 21-17 at that moment. You pin him down and throw him three. You know, I'm in that end zone thinking this is ripe for a big play, big turnover, or at the very least a quick stop, and they have to punt in their own end zone. The defense was playing well. I mean, yep. Oklahoma State got <clears> those early points, and, yeah, it was 17-7. But from that moment to that moment in the fourth quarter, had done very, very little. I mean, they had not they had moved the ball a little bit kind of in between the 20s, but when it got across midfield, Oklahoma was was you know bowing up and getting big stops, stuffing Ollie Gordon on fourth and one. But yeah, they 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 didn't step up in the big biggest moment. Now they did, like you said, get the big stop even after the quick turnaround, which is what's kind of funny about that. You let them go ninety-seven yards, they fumble the snap. Oklahoma does the very first play of the next drive. Oklahoma State has it in the red zone, and they found a way to get a three and out and force the field goal. It's like man, if you could have done that before. Things yeah. will be looking a lot different, but they finally get the stop and gave their team another chance. But as well documented, the offense just didn't have it in the second half of this game. They just couldn't get anything into the end zone, and they didn't get anything in the end zone after the Tommy Walker run early in the third. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this team is you know it's at a crossroads right now, entering these yeah. final three games. 
which are three very winnable games. Um, you know, West Virginia has exceeded a lot of expectations this year. At BYU, you know, they're you know they might have their just their second non-winning season uh, in Kalani Sataki's tenure. Um, and then you know, TCU team that obviously is not the same as it was last year. So they have a chance to finish really strong here. But, man, those back-to-back losses are killer because you know, you're coming out of that Texas game and you're like, man, control your own path to the Big 12 title. You're in the college football playoff race. You know, sitting atop the yeah. Big 12 standings. And now it's Oklahoma State and Texas that have the clear path. Oklahoma's kind of in that bunch of, bunch of teams yeah. that has two losses in the conference – you need to win out. You're going to need a little bit of help to, you know, get those tiebreakers if you want to make it to Arlington. Things have become a lot murkier now. There's never been a, a two-loss team that make the college football playoffs, so that's pretty much out of the discussion unless it's just complete yeah, chaos these last yeah. three weeks. But you know, it, it's almost an inflection point. Like, is this team going to revert back and kind of, you know, fade down the stretch like it did last season, or is it going to show mm-hmm. that hey, this is still a ten-win football team? Yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> yeah, to kind of wrap up here, where where does Oklahoma go from here? Uh, certainly is a big question mark because, like I said, they're at they are they're at like a crossroads kind of sort of of how how many massive changes they need to make this offseason. Obviously, this season is is what it is at this point. You're going to try and finish as strong as you can, um, you know. And it's something I talked about a little bit last week, but the you have to be careful not to you know be unfair here. I guess if you're if you're us, you know, before the season, me, you, Colin, we all picked Oklahoma to go ten and two. Obviously, mm-hmm. they can still do that, and it wouldn't be fair, really, for me to say they're going to go ten and two. The season ends, they go ten and two, and I'm like, "What a disappointment this was." That's exactly what I thought before the season. Um, but the way it's happened is obviously because both these losses were so winnable. They did feel like 2022 games, and then you know after that Texas game, we all our all our eyes got wide with what was possible and what the team could maybe accomplish. And they just haven't played like that. It's not the same team that we saw in Dallas. Now, they have some injuries. Obviously, Danny Stutzman's a huge one. Gentry Williams having a hard time staying healthy. Kyle Walker's banged up. You know, that, that, that does play a factor. Uh, yeah, obviously, Andrew Anthony, yeah. Um, but just even beyond that, just the – I don't know. It's hard to even put your finger quite on it. Because I honestly felt in pregame warmths and stuff that the juices were there. I thought Oklahoma was going to play really well today, more so than the Kansas game. And – you know, obviously they give up a touchdown drive in the first for the first time all season. You know, it's it's hard to to predict that kind of stuff. But um where do you go from here for OU? Obviously, Tom. Obviously, you know, it would be funny because we've talked all this you know, there was so much made about the final bedlam and for good reason. There is a small chance we could get bedlam again, which would be which would be amazing, obviously, for, for everyone. Obviously, Oklahoma fans would take that right now because that would mean that they would have yeah. made it to the digital <laughs> title game. It is possible if you're an Oklahoma fan wondering, like, should I care at all with the Big 12 race? Somewhat. Somewhat. What you basically need here is essentially Texas to lose a game somewhere, Kansas to lose a game somewhere, um, and then you're it kind of possible. the path is open. <laughs> really the best way is if Texas loses to Iowa State in a couple of weeks in Ames, not impossible, and if Kansas loses to Kansas State, I think that game is in Lawrence, but you know, playing Kansas State, if you get those two results to go your way, you're now at least there. There's some chaotic nature to it, and there, it's possible. Now there's still three weeks left. It's still the Big Twelve. There's always a lot of carnage in this conference. So, you know, obviously, just a couple of weeks ago, we all thought it was a given that it was going to be OU in Texas. So, I mean, the fact that we're sitting here right now, like, oh, it's going to be OSU in Texas, 
you know, Oklahoma State could easily stub their toe here and the door's back open. So it's not impossible. It's unlikely at this point, but not impossible that we could still see Oklahoma get to Arlington and we could potentially see another Bedlam game, which would be, I mean, I know Oklahoma fans would would kill for that. Another another shot at this thing. What's that? I was going to say, it would just be hilarious after everybody, you know, built it yeah, up. Right. Whole it like last Bedlam, last time, but. Last time on either campus, at least for a while. So yeah, we'll, true. We'll Last time in Stillwater. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, for 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 you, I mean, where does Oklahoma go from here in terms of like you just you got to find a way to get back on the win column. Obviously, West Virginia is coming in this weekend. Um, Two score yeah, favorite. Just it, it's hard to know. It's hard. Oklahoma picking up the pieces, and getting back to it is going to be tough. These are two emotional, gut wrenching losses back to back, especially this weekend. Yeah, I mean, coming home will help. Um, it's a night game. I think there'll be a little bit of a, you know, night games always feel different. You know, mm-hmm. if it was an 11 o'clock game, you're like, oh man, like, are they going to get up for this? Playing under the lights is always a little bit different. But I mean, look, <clears throat> this team still has a lot to play for. Um, obviously, the, the Big 12 aspirations are murkier. The college, college football playoff hopes are all but dashed. I mean, but coming into the season, like, did, Anybody realistically think this was a playoff team? No, like you you right. need to keep it in perspective. Like, yeah, these two losses hurt, but this team is still better than it was last year. It has shown that, um, certainly on defense, has a chance to finish strong. Like, like we said, like you, me, and Colin all thought that this that ten wins was very attainable for this team this season. A 10-win season is nothing to, you know, raise your nose at. Like, Sure. It's still a very good year. Um, obviously, the way things shaked out the last two weeks, like, you're like, oh, man, like, what could have been? But this team still, like, you know, has an opportunity to finish the season really strong. And, again, even if, you know, some of those preseason aspirations are, you know, murky or gone, like, Brent Venables, for him, it's not just about this season. It's about building this program. And mm-hmm. how they finish out the month of November will go a long way toward what he's trying to achieve here. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, again, they won six games last year. You know, you, you win three or four potentially more games in the previous year. That, that's a big jump in college football. It is. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to sunshine pump for you fans who don't want to hear it right now, but – that is a jump, and you look at the rebuilds that are of a comparable nature. Last, you know, handful of years, Florida State, Texas, um, those teams kind of followed a similar path. They were pretty bad first year. Texas didn't make a bowl the first year in Steve Sarkeesian. Mike Norvell's first year at Florida State was really bad too. Second year, it got better. It wasn't elite. It wasn't playoff good, but it got better. They won eight, nine games or so, and now. You look at where those teams are now. Both those teams are right in the mix of the playoff race. It kind of feels like we're on a similar path. We'll see. I mean, time will tell. Oklahoma's recruiting at a high level. They have a great star quarterback waiting in the wings. There's a lot of young defensive playmakers making things happen. Um, like I said, you got to figure out the offense a little bit. They're they're the statistics look great, and they you know they're doing some things you really like, but obviously there's still something missing there. But if you can find a way to button those those things up there's a chance that this team could still be really special in the next year or two as they move to the SEC with the way they're recruiting and things like that. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say smash the panic button. This whole thing isn't working at all. Um, 
but it is disappointing the last couple of weeks. But we'll we'll see where things go from here. We'll learn a lot about it all, you know, because last year they started off great. They were th- you know, it's a different situation, but they started off three and zero, rolled over Nebraska, and everybody saw how good they were, and they lost that close one at Kansas State in the Big Twelve opener last year, and then it felt like it was just kind of snowballing from there, like they could never get it back. And is that happening here? You know, they were seven and zero, and you lose to Kansas, now you lose this one. Can they afford? Can they avoid it snowballing this time? Can they finish out? They should win all these games. They should. West Virginia is, an, is a solid team, but you're in Norman. BYU and TCU are borderline bad. I mean, they're they're average at best. You should win all these games. You should, but you got to go actually do it. So we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. We'll learn a lot about this team, obviously, uh, how you play whenever those big goals are kind of out the window. So looking forward to it this weekend. Neil Brown, who was once on the hot seat, has his coach's way off it. So uh, we'll look forward to that one this weekend. Obviously, Thursday, we'll preview that game uh, in full with James and Colin. Anything else on this game? Tom, I think we hit pretty much everything. Yeah, we covered it, man. Just rough. Time for Oklahoma to flush it and try to rebound. And like you said, got a chance to finish the year strong. Three very winnable games. um, Mm -hmm. Two of them at home. So we'll see what's next. Yep. Hoops today. Like we said, James isn't on the show today because he's in Norman right now for the women's hoops opener coming up at noon. So by the time you listen to this, it'll probably, it'll already be over. Uh, so head on over to the site to uh, get a recap of how Jane Bronchek's squad did. Tom and I, after we talked to football players after practice tonight, scooting over to LNC ourselves for the men's opener. So basketball season is here. And West Virginia coming to Norman this weekend. Like I said, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll recap the hoops openers. We'll preview the West Virginia game. We'll do some recruiting news, obviously, also with Colin. So a packed show coming your way on Thursday. Be sure to tune in then. If you're still interested in some Bedlam content, I can't imagine many are. There's a lot still there on the site and on the YouTube channel coming out of the weekend in Stillwater as uh, we turn the page to Oklahoma, West Virginia coming up this weekend in Norman. That's it for now. For Tom Green, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll catch you guys Thursday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast. Later.